On this week's episode of Slashers, we talk about a cancelled video game that took up space in my brain for 20 years until we recorded this episode. Stay tuned for a special track from our friend's next attempt at the very end. Unsurprisingly, there is no tagline for a video game that never actually came out. This is Slashers, a podcast about movies and horror for those who love horror. My name is Jake, and with me for the first time is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, Yeti. Have you ever, did you ever watch WCW? It's not Yeti, it's Yeti, according to Tony Schiavone. But my friend is Yeti. Yeti, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. He's much better than my podcast, and I was not prepared for that. Although, I did listen to your episodes, and I knew it was coming. Yeah, and also, what I really don't like about Zoom compared to the other teleconferencing ones that we do is I can see myself a lot better in the corner, and my eyebrows won't stop moving when I say co-host and cohort. I'm like, Jesus, calm it down. Before your eyebrows matches your tone of voice, so it makes sense. Yeah, right? These are like my amplitude. But thank you so much for having me on the show. I've been waiting for this for almost all my life, and I'm really excited to be on it, and hopefully I can come back into it. Yeah, I'm into it. Well, for, let's not get ahead of ourselves. First, we have to have like a ton of fan mail dedicated to you. And one of the best ways to do that is with a giveaway. Weep, weep, weep. So what we're going to do, you are the chairman, CEO, owner of Spice Ninja. That's right. And so we're just going to do a giveaway. All you have to do to enter to win is go over to at Spice Ninja on Instagram. Is that right? Yes, at Spice Ninja on Instagram. And we have a really cool logo. It's a spice company. And we're giving away a shirt plus a gift box that's things like a hundred dollar value. So what you guys gotta do is go to that page, tag things to select. What do they tag on Instagram? Oh, for me, slashers pod. Tag slashers pod on Instagram. Just go to Spice Ninja, tag slashers pod on Instagram. Jake will see that. I will see that. And then you'll be automatically entered and into a drawing. And if you win. I will get a hold of you and you can send me the address and I will send you a nice, big, expensive, fancy box of free shit. And he'll send you some used panties underneath a big box of brownies. You won't get that reference unless you've listened to the Patreon bonus episode. Sorry, buttfuckers. Giant panties. <laughs> so, Yeti, you messaged me and you were very upset. And I understand because you have a tattoo for Final Fantasy VII, if I'm not mistaken. You're a bit of a gamer, right? I'm, I'm a big gamer. And so you were like, yo, dog, not only did you do one episode of video games, you did fucking five and didn't invite me. And I felt like a shitty friend. As well, you should have. And a shitty host. Because first of all, I was very upset. One, you did horror video games on a PlayStation, which I, I love PlayStation so much, Jake. You have no idea. And then two, I listened to your Silent Hill episode. And the first fucking thing you and your goddamn host said <laughs> was, we never played this game. Well, let's do a review on it. And I was like, you sons of bitches. I'm in your phone book. You knew I played that damn game. I do. But I also know that it's really hard to coordinate with people who are busy. And you're a conglomerate. You're like the Donald Trump of spices, except you don't grab people by their pussy. I mean, you don't know that. I don't. Actually, now I've, I feel like I need to dial that back. You are like the potentially Donald Trump who's potentially grabbing pussies in the potential spice industry. It's true. <laughs> so, yeah, you messaged me and I was like, all right, I'll do you one better. How about we do every fucking video game on the PlayStation that is horror and we can do a proper analysis of Silent Hill? Um, That was a dumb idea. I looked and I found over 50 games that qualify as horror. But one game that came to mind reminded me of my childhood and a bunch of rumors. Do you know what that game is yet? Hey. I do know what it is, but I'm going to let you say it. Thrill Kill. Oh, my God. So when I was a kid and you were, and I were talking about this because we went through, we were going to do this. And then we were talking about doing Castlevania. And then we were talking about doing that. And finally, when it came to Thrill Kill, we were both like, oh, yeah, we're on to something. Because when I was a kid, I'll tell you. I didn't even know the style of fighter it was. I thought it was just a 2D fighter because we saw clips of stuff and glimpses. And I remember downloading AVI videos off of Kazaa about it, but it never came out. Now, here we are 20 years later. You can get a full fucking ROM, the entire game for free off the Internet. And there's a whole lot of weird story behind it. Real Kill was one of those amazing games that in the game community, 
they were talking about it, and it was hyped up, but it never came to fruition. Everybody was so pissed. But then Mortal Kombat came back and kind of forgot about it. But Thrill Call in that moment, because I want to say that year, Mortal Kombat wasn't released that year. There was this big, empty space of, oh, really, like, Thrill Kill's going to take out Mortal Kombat, and it's really exciting, and there's a lot of, like, uh, buzz about it. And then it just never came to fruition. But yeah, through, when, you, when you mentioned Thrill Kill, and uh, you sent me a text, like, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. Like, holy shit. I yeah. What's that Morty meme that's so popular? Yes, son of a bitch, I'm in. So, so let's start it off with the story, right? The basic premise is eight characters are incarnations of mental illnesses and vices on Earth. They all go to hell. There you have Maruka, the goddess of secrets, who creates a fighting tournament so that one of them can come back to life. Yeti, does that sound familiar to you at all? Like a certain yes. Sega game? Oh, yes, yes, it does. What game does it remind you of off the top of your head? Eternal Champions. 1993's Eternal Butt-Fucking Champions, where it's a bunch of people who are snatched from history moments before their death, entered into a tournament so that they can then fight against the forces of evil and live out their history as it was intended. And so the writer, Brian Gomez, basically is like, no, 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 I never intended to rip off Eternal Champions. And then to add some real street cred with the type of people who are playing Thrill Kill, he's like, nah, dog, I got it from Cats. And this is before the Hellscape movie that came out last year. This was well, the reference that I, because I didn't watch Cats, I don't know anything about Cats. And when I found that, I was like, the fuck does this have to do with Cats? Holy shit, I need to watch Cats. Yeah, I had no idea. I uh, the, My extent of the knowledge of Cats is... Team America World Police, where the guy says he gets raped by one of the cats, and Andy from The Office, who looks like he's going to rape a puppet from Team America World Police. That's all I knew about cats. So I was like, okay, what is this? So apparently, it's a bunch of dead cats who nominate one of their kind to come back to life. I'm going to go with it. The only thing I know is that he just held us in for some reason. Yeah, and so is Rebel Wilson, but <laughs> it's weird. I, this is why I'm a dog's person. You know why? You know why? All dogs go to heaven. Boom. Dom DeLuise. Double boom. There's no dogs in hell. They're all cats. <laughs> yep. So this was going to be the first game in history to receive the AO rating from the ESRB. So AO stands for adults only, not like Andrew Dice Clay. AO! It's slightly different. Nice Andrew Dice Clay reference. Thank you. Hickory dickory duck. Boom! You're not going to finish it? No. I, how about this? I will tell you a joke that I actually learned recently. One of my coworkers, we were walking and it just so happens that a train was going by. So he had to raise his voice during the punchline and it reminded me of Andrew Dice Clay. So Yeti, you're into spices. You're into food, if you will. Do you know the difference between a chickpea and a garbanzo bean? I'm going to say no. I've never had a garbanzo bean on my face. Oh. See, I laughed like I, I laughed so hard it was like I got punched in the gut. That's how funny I found that. <laughs> so, in terms of AO games, there aren't many. The predominant. Oh, honestly, I can't even think of one off the top of my head. That's because the majority of them are PC games. Very, uh -huh. very rarely did you get any kind of console game. The first one that comes to mind would be the Grand Theft Auto San Andreas from 2004. And there were also M versions of it. So it doesn't really count. Right. But Thrill Kill was lauded to be like the one, you know, because it was console gaming. So originally, this game is going to be called earth monster with the tagline become the aztec basketball god but they're not playing basketball they would have been playing pock to pock which you might remember from road to el dorado that's that's funny good job thank you i do a lot of research and so basically in that game there's a vertical circle on the wall and you're throwing the ball through it you know it's not an armadillo in this scenario and so in that game you could roughhouse and fight Something like you would in an NFL blitz, in your NHL hits, something to that effect, right? So Virgin gets the rights from Paradox. And they're like, hey, why don't you just like develop that a little bit more? A little bit more, a little bit more. You know what? Pocket talk, what's that? Get rid of it. And so Paradox is like, oh, okay, sure. We could we can do that. We can just get rid of the game. And so Kevin Mulhall, who's one of the producers on the game, said, quote, you basically sold one game to a publisher at, at a time and then R&D'd out three or four different games off of that. 
He said, you try to use the one solid thing to make the thing you actually wanted to make. And when something would fall through, you'd say, oh, is there a way we can make this into something we'd actually want to make? It was a very haphazard way of doing things, but it was the only way back then, at least for a studio like Paradox. So this is a tiny game developer and they have Virgin Interactive, a huge mogul saying, here's a wad of cash. Do what we say. And they say, yes, I will do what you say. I'll be your private dancer. Dance hall. Oh, damn it. I messed up the lyrics. Shit. That would have been nice if I got it. <laughs> Hold me closer, Tony Danza. At that point, they already had the... It was set up as four players, right? Or was that not developed yet? That's correct. Because Pocket Talk is two on two. Holy shit. There's four players. Because up to there, it's always been 2D fighting games. Right? Yeah. And that's so. That's one of the things that's crazy is so much of the mystique of this game became about like the AO rating and the perverseness and the violence that like as a kid who was a huge fan of 2D fighters like Street Fighter is my jam I never knew all these things about the mechanics which is truly the most amazing part and nobody seems to give a shit about it blows my mind cuz like honestly to have four player action before Power Stone before Power Stone 2 before Super Smash Bros if you've never played Power Stone dude I keep at least one working Dreamcast wherever I live so that I can have my Marvel versus Capcom so I can have Power Stone Powerstone was the only reason I bought Dreamcast. It is so legit. It's crazy to think of these games being so similar when I've, because I've, you know, since we've talked about it, I've downloaded, I've played Thrill Kill. I've played a game that was basically Thrill Kill 2. And dude, it's the same thing except perverse. I love it. Wow, I'm so jealous that you play it. I didn't have time to play it again. Oh, can we fight each other? Yeah, we just have to get an online uh, network set up. It's no big deal. I know all about it. <laughs> So they kept the Aztec theme in the initial version of the fighting game. And basically, you know, Brian Gomez said that they started off as more like, quote, superhero types. But then there was a guy from Virgin Interactive named Harvard Bonin. And he be boning, you know what I'm saying? But he kept trying to punch things up and make it cool and sexy and everything wanted to be like really erotic and like underground, right? So they did focus group testing and basically they go, okay, let's just scrap that. And they just start coming up with S&M stuff because this dude literally brought in a cardboard box filled with dvds bdsm porn and everything and they like the guys are like what's this and he goes quote boys here's your new art direction but that's back in the day when people actually had porn magazine collections right like it's not like now oh let's google some stuff like no let me unlock this multi-lock chamber in my house and bring in my golden stash of hardcore porn collection that i only show my best friends yeah, it's crazy that people want to be so critical of Paul Rubens and stuff for jacking off in a theater. I'm like, what was his alternative? It's still sticky. It's a sticky situation. Sticky situation. <laughs> you know the two most famous guys to get shot in the back of the head? Abraham Lincoln and the guy who sat in front of Paul Rubens. <laughs> so basically this poor kid brian gomez they're just like hey here is a guy with no arms what's his backstory here is a midget on stilts what's his backstory why is he in hell and this poor kid's like okay i thought we were making a game about an outdated sport pack attack or whatever and basically just kind of pull it out of his ass which i'm okay with yeah he said basically they put it on me to explain everything why is this guy in a straitjacket? Why is this dwarf on stilts in a leather daddy costume? It was a lot to deal with. <laughs> I could give the backstory to those crazy characters and just make them up. Like, oh my God, I would love it. Yeah. So did you read into E3 1998 in Atlanta? No, I did not. Okay. This is crazy town. Virgin Interactive hires two actresses to play the two female characters of the game, Belladonna and Violet. Those actresses never show up. Instead, the developers waddle their buns to a nearby strip joint, hire strippers. Who are strippers? No question. It is in magazines. It is very well established from the get-go. Hey, this adult-only game hired strippers to attend a convention for video games. That's how you make some headlines. That's a ballsy move right there, and I, I, I love it. Why the hell would those girls show up? I mean, what a great opportunity for them. Well, I mean... I'm upset. Yeah. So Gomez, much to his chagrin, 
lamented that, quote, that's the one thing people seem to remember about the game. Those models. Somebody even asked me about it last week. Like this poor fucking guy comes up with this crazy story. These guys make truly in terms of the architecture of the game, something very innovative. They're trying their hardest, getting pulled in 50 directions. And what do dorks like you and I ask? Hey, so what was like, how big were that stripper's tits when she was playing? Did you just walk in and say, hey, come here? Yeah. What was the <laughs> casting like? Did you like grab the yabos first or something? I don't know. Do you have a number? Yeah, right. So that same summer is when the North American operations for Virgin Interactive were acquired by Electronic Arts. So you might remember EA bought Westwood Studios for $125 million. Do you feel like a fucking failure? That was 22 years ago and $125 million is still more than I'll ever see. I felt like a failure long before I ever reached Yeah, it's pretty true. You bought it for $125 million, right? Yep. That was, I think at that point, no one hated EA True. Microtransactions weren't a thing. Loot crates and all that bullshit. Right. So EA wasn't notoriously despised by everyone alive. Exactly. At least at that time. That would come in years to follow. So they just kind of got the rights to this game. Eh? But what's really interesting, soap opera mogul Aaron Spelling is the reason this all happened. So we have to blame him. Father of Tory Spelling, because he sold his virgin shares after they had a disappointing 1997. I need someone to channel my rage to. Yeah, I'm. he's dead, which makes it very frustrating. So I think I'm going to go after Tory. Is she still alive? I don't know anything about Tory. Oh, we could Google it. We could always just have a seance and just spit on him. That's true. I've had a seance in a good long time. Give him some ecto sputum. Instead of ectoplasm. That wasn't a good joke. We're moving on. You know where he is? Instead of having the seance, he's probably in hell. Right. And you have like a little short person with stilts and a leather daddy costume shoving one of those stilts up there. So the lead programmer of the game, David Ullman, was like, hey, at first we thought EA was going to be a good thing. And then basically that changed, quote, very quickly. And he said it very it quickly became clear that Thrill Kill would stay on, quote, the highest, darkest shelf never to be let down. Crazy, right? So right before this sale, Virgin goes, hold up, wait a second. You mean to tell me we won't be able to sell an adults-only game at a place called Toys R Us? You mean that Kmart won't carry an adults-only game? Hey, guys, let's start dialing it back. So basically, they're like trying to retract things to make it just an M. Changing thongs to panties. What exactly they're trying to retract, right? Because it's not like, hey, put some clothes on it. This is some serious hardcore shit. (laughs) There's a good one. Yeah. So we had Belladonna. She used to suck your dick off till you died. And then they changed her fatality to being tickling. That was one of them. And then basically, they just had to keep going back and going to the ESRB and saying, is this enough butt cheek covered? Is this enough butt cheek covered? Until they were finally in a decent area, but they never finally finalized the ESRB issue. And that's one of the things that ultimately led to the downfall. And so EA just says, no, we're not doing it. It's not happening. It's kind of like what Disney's done with like the new mutants. It's like, yeah, whatever. We're not worried about it. It's not our big thing. But one of their competitors, IDOS, was like, we'd really love to do this game. How about you sell us the rights? And EA, rather than making money, wanted to stick it to their competition and just said, no, fuck off. So Kevin Mulhalls says, quote, we read it on the internet. It's not a case of six guys in suits coming down from EA to tell it softly. They didn't give enough of a shit to tell us in person that the game that these fuckers had worked on for three years was no longer coming out. Can you imagine that moment where they've been working on this crazy-ass game, backstories, and all this that crazy software that they use with the four players? Just at that time was amazing. Yeah. Just, hey, the news said that we're canceled. It's like, what? Are you insane? Like, no, the news said Channel 5. Yeah. Fucking Channel 5. <laughs> not, hey, we need to rework this. Not, hey, we're going to recycle this. Not, it's just, you're done. You're toast. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's that's gut check time. That's like, hey, maybe I should have gone to school to be an underwater basket weaver instead of a programmer kind of gut check time. Underwater basket weaving is hot commodity. It really is, especially during the quarantine, because it's harder to goop out of your face into somebody else's face when you're underwater. Bubble in someone's face? Is that right? Bubble? Yeah. 
it's possible. So did you know that there was actually going to be a Malibu Comics tie-in to this franchise? So it was originally conceived that they were going to do one. So they had a comic book tie-in where they actually like got the rights. They trademarked the name for comic books and it was reserved. There's no actual art or anything released, but it's very widely accepted with regard to the lore of this game. They were going to do a tie-in. What appears the plan was going to be would be one character comic for each. So it would just be a run of like eight. Oh my god, that would have been amazing. Because it would have someone would have went into the backstory of each of the characters, right? That's the thing, yeah. How it, how they got to hell and how they ended up there and what happens. I didn't play the game, obviously, so I don't know the ending each character had in the game. I have it in my notes because I'm a good little boy scout. Good job. Thanks. This is where I get my gold. You know what my gold stars are? Our Patreon patrons. Make sure you like and like and subscribe. Anyway, we're moving on. So basically, these developers are like, what the actual fuck do we do here? You know, we have we've created this engine that is super stable. Think about this, dude. The Dreamcast compared to the PlayStation is ridiculously different in terms of power, right? No question there. This game ran stably on a PlayStation 1 with four characters. Dude, I don't know how many people remember this. The PlayStation 1 did not play four players out of the box. You had to get a multi-tap to do that. So, like, you're clearly going beyond the intended specs for the console, and it's great. And so they have something, but they just don't have the something they wanted because they didn't even want it to be perverse in the first place. This was fucking Virgin, who then sold their shit. Yeah, they, they really missed the boat, just not realizing that they had that engine. It's like, holy shit, what can we do with this? It was just like a one version of Duracell. They should have just poured some money into it and got it done. So that's kind of what was happening. So they repurposed the game as Fubar. If you Google it, you might find there's like a griffin on this background. And then they hear rumblings from one Activision. And Activision had greenlit a game about the Wu-Tang Clan. And at one point, it was going to be like Parappa the Rappa starring Puff Daddy. And people were like, I don't know if this is what really is the focus here. And so basically, they approached and they made a bid. And this game became Wu-Tang Shaolin style or Wu-Tang Taste the Pain, depending on which version of it you got. And yeah, that popped onto the engine that they created. So obviously, they, they didn't use the actual story, but they used the engine to create Beginning for Wu-Tang Clan, which is fucking amazing, by the way, because how can it not be? It's amazing using method that to kick people's ass. <laughs> it is. It, it, honestly, like I played as ODB and I played through the story mode, and it's hilarious because he plays like drunken style. And it's yeah. so funny to see you like taking swigs and purposefully falling down and everything. It's awesome. So the name for the Wu-Tang Clan what came from Enter the Wu-Tang Clan from the 36 Chambers, right? Clear. Cool. So that's clear. So these guys clearly were vested. Hell, Riza was the actor, director, and co-writer of Man with the Iron Fists, and he was the actor and co-writer of Man with the Iron Fists too. Dude has clear credentials, right? He's Riza. He can do whatever he wants. Basically, yeah. And so the whole game, you know, you basically your master gets kidnapped. Honestly, it's worth checking out. I very rarely recommend like going and like watching Twitch or watching other people play video games, but the cinematics in this are still like pretty good. Like they're fun. Are they? Because I, every time I go back and play the whole game, I'm very disappointed. I was like, oh, I remember it so much better. So I just don't play the whole games. Well, yeah, your memory would definitely supplant a lot of it. But like if you compare this to your average episode of like reboot, it's better quality than that. I'll have to check it out. I'm going to trust you. If I get up. I'm going to come after you. There you go. But then I'll be using my ODB style drunken master and I'll whoop your ass. And he's not a man. Oh, fuck. He's going to be using ODB. Fuck. Right? So in terms of us kind of going on about Wu-Tang, if you don't know Wu-Tang, this is where you simmer down. Clear horror credentials. You might remember there's this little song, uh, Protect Your Neck, where they expressly reference Night of the Creeps, which was our first Patreon bonus episode because they're fucking dope. And I love me some Wu-Tang. Yeti, have you ever heard of Wugazi? No. So you know I'm a straight-edge dork, right? Yes, I Lead singer of Minor Threat ends up being in a band called Fugazi in later years. And so somebody took the music of Fugazi and the lyrics of Wu-Tang and slapped them together into, you know how they did the gray album, which was the black album and the white album? 
basically the same thing. So for instance, they created the song Sleep Rules Everything Around Me instead of Cash Rules Everything Around Me. And I love the whole record. You got to check it out. I will. That sounds awesome. So Dana Delala, who was one of the art directors on the original Thrill Kill, estimated that 70% of the game, the Shaolin style, was the exact same game on a technical level. He said that they ended up, quote, breaking himself during the production of this game because, quote, it might as well have just been Thrill Kill 2, which they were actually planning before that game got canceled. Which again, Thrill Kill actually became what it was supposed to become. Probably would have been one of the best games of all time. I think that the provocative nature of it, I legitimately think at that time people would have lost their minds. Yeah, like it would have been, oh my God, you know, especially at that time, I want to say people were so, well, they were open to the idea that you know, games are going to cause murderers. Yep. Oh, don't don't put violence into the game because it's going to brainwash our children. It's going to make them incredibly violent. So if this would have came out at that time, they would have got this huge news story around it. They would have got this huge underground cult even more than it has right now. And I would have been in that for the cult. And I would have loved every second of it. Yeah, and what's weird is I think that more and more of it is actually the sexual content than the violent content. Because what I've seen in the game, nothing is really more violent than Mortal Kombat it's more perverse. And that's the problem. When you have a midget in bondage gear, when you have a woman who's a dominatrix, when you have those things, cannibalism, that's the stuff that I think made it salacious because the actual violence of it, there's some decapitations and stuff, but there's nothing that's like making me queasy. I think we just all congratulate each other. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, fellas. But I remember, so the rumor mill for this game was crazy. I very, very vividly remember, I didn't know that it was a dwarf, the character of the imp. I thought that it was, the the legend had it, that he was an aborted fetus and that he used scalpels to exact revenge for being aborted. That's what w- went around my elementary school. I, the imp is one of the ones I remember because I remember someone mentioned that his death move is using magic to shrink somebody. Yep. Well, that, then I just was like, oh, he must be a magic leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <I> was, <laughs> <laughs> That's all I thought of. I was like, I, you have no idea how bad I wanted to play with a magic leprechaun. Fuck it, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, which also, taken out of context, that's probably my my favorite sentence that's ever been uttered on this show. I guess the only type of leprechaun is magic leprechaun. Nah, take it from an Irish guy. There's tons of leprechauns that don't do anything. They just drink and mope around all day. So did you ever play Def Jam Vendetta? Of course I did. So can we talk about this? I don't know how the fuck they have that game that's so similar to this one. Blows my mind because, you know, Method Man was actually doing promotion for Death Jam Vendetta. That's right. I went back nearly 20 years ago and was looking at interviews from a fucking magazine, a paper magazine in my research. Thanks very much. Happy to be of service. And he basically just shit all over Wu-Tang Shaolin style. And it really disappointed me. Oh, you mean compared to Wu-Tang? Yeah. Well, so what Method Man says is we wanted to do this game. It completely gets rushed. Yeah, they didn't give a shit. They didn't do anything. And he literally says he might have played it once and said, quote, to hell with oh, this. Okay. He was totally shitting on the game itself. Exactly. And so what's really that's that's something that the man would do. Yeah. But all of the guys from Paradox say it's the exact opposite, where they tried to reach out and they just kept getting stonewalled. Like there's a very specific part in one of the interviews I was listening to where Gomez is like, I don't know who would be a boxer and who would be a ninja. I don't know who would want metal arms. I don't know. And I don't know if that fits their persona they're going for. And only one person from Paradox even listened to Wu-Tang independent of this game. So they tried to have them involved. And then basically their stories, they got big timed. Method Man stories, they just rushed to get something out. But Method was very happy with Def Jam when that finally came out, which frustrates me because that game, once you've played this game, you're like, oh, it's the same fucking thing. It's just that one is under the guise of pro wrestling instead of Shaolin. Right. It is the same thing. I mean, really, like, let's talk about this. People who want to shit on pro wrestling. I'm like, have you ever watched a Kung Fu movie? Those people aren't fighting for real either, dipshit. But they have better sound effects than Kung Fu movies. Oh, for sure. When you're talking about those, like, where it sounds like two bits of wood, pot, pot, and then you add the fact that, like, they, everybody's dusty. You know, that's the best part of Kung Fu. Imagine wrestling with those sound effects. That would make my life very happy. So later on, Paradox uses their engine and they created X-Men Mutant Academies 1 and 2. 
They then did the backyard wrestling games, Don't Try This at Home, and There Goes the Neighborhood. And that's probably where they were most well-known before they became Midway Studios and then just basically did this little game called Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks. Have you have you, have you heard of that? I'm not familiar with Mortal Kombat, no. Uh, so basically, it's like this legendary game that people like love and they like salivate over and every year they get teased with it coming back and they never do and it really hurts people's feelings. Oh, uh, I remember the game. Yeah. So backyard wrestling, don't try this home. Super similar. You get weapons and people bleed and ICPs in it. And then, you know, X-Men Mutant Academy, that's a little bit different, but whatever. When Midway Studios Los Angeles closes down in 2004, it gets consolidated with San Diego. And then up until 2009, then it just completely dissolves. And a big portion of the team... Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, I didn't say the wrestling game. Sure. I want to know, should you wrestle with ICP? You could wrestle as IPCP. What were their special moves? I don't remember, but in retrospect, it is criminal that I know for certain they did not involve magnets. Fucking magnets. How do they work? Mm, disappointing. It is. But you could like set tables on fire and put people through them. You could jump off ladders. You could jump off of like a house. There were like shitty, dirty mattresses on the floor of these backyards and stuff. Uh, there was a talk show that you could go on and you could like throw the chairs like they did at Geraldo Rivera. It's awesome. <laughs> It's very ICP. And so then Midway Studios San Diego closes down in August 2009. And about half of the people, it's estimated, go over to THQ, who is working on WWE All-Stars. Again, another pro wrestling game, super silly and over the top. So that kind of fits. And then about 40% of the team moved on to High Moon Studios. So that's basically where they all ended up. And now that just leaves us with the game itself to talk about. Which I'm ready for. Hey, again, I also play this game, but I know you downloaded it on your emulator, right? You found it somewhere. Yeah, it is actually very easily accessible online now. So that's another thing we can talk about. So somebody, when we were kids, there were international versions that were released, but they were limited. And then there were like demos, right? There, from my oh, knowledge, games to come with demos, right? So yeah. from my knowledge, there was never an actual game that I, any of us could find or had access to. But somebody released an entire ROM, the complete game, and they're still afraid to come forward because that's how vicious EA Games is with their intellectual property. They're legitimately afraid that EA would sue them for a game that would have come out 21 years ago. That was EA would, because EA's piece of shit. Yeah. And if you've ever looked at like Abandonware software, you could check that out. Let me just take a second and praise the guy who just released this. Like, fuck it. You worked on this. Here, have it. I never thought in my lifetime I would play it, much less that I would play it on a handheld emulator sitting beside my wife who was watching The Floor is Lava. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it always had this like mythological mystique to me. Like to me, being able to play Thrill Kill was kind of like finding out who the Zodiac Killer was because I was like, oh, in my lifetime, I'll never know this. And I'm like, wait, I know this. I know what their finishing moves are. What? Yeah. When you when we were talking about it, you sent me just you didn't say anything. You just sent me a picture. Of the title screen, I was like, you beautiful son of a bitch. Yep. So then I downloaded Wu-Tang Shaolin style and I got to play that. And truly, just like they said, it's very much like a sequel. It's got some of the same moves and it's got similar physics and everything. It's literally just a reskin. And so it was really cool to see like what could have been. Because, you know, with only eight characters, I think it's nine when you get to unlock the demon chick who's the goddess of secrets. At that point, I mean, that's like a demo more than it is a game. This is very important. Just, I'm curious, out of the eight characters, six, seven, eight, the main characters, I don't remember who they are. Which one did you pick? I played as all of them at least once. You played story mode, right? For story mode, I did a lot better as the Tormentor. Uh, maybe it has to do with the judicial element of it, but I was much better with him. And then, uh, funny enough... That makes sense, because he's a judge, right? Exactly. And then I did well with Oddball. Those are my two strongest characters. I don't remember Oddball. So we'll get into it. Don't worry, dog. I got tons of notes. So, first character I wanted to touch on, Belladonna. She's the dominatrix lady who you may see. That's what she is. Yeah. Exactly. So she was a librarian on Earth, but then she turned into a dominatrix when she found out that her husband was cheating on her with her sister. She committed suicide by electrocuting herself with a cattle prod in the bathtub, which was reported as a quote unquote accident. Is that a believable transition? I, I, I saw that. I was like, can a librarian transition to dominatrix? I mean, I know it's like a fetish. I guess it could happen. Like, you remember that, that movie sense. Tomcat's Dog? No, I don't. Oh, the redheaded chick spanks his ass. What is that? I'm talking about. 
reference. <laughs> Tomcats librarian. Google. Yeah, it's Tomcats. Jerry O'Connell gets his ass slapped red by the librarian chick. You got to see that movie. It's not good, but that scene's awesome. And then Jake Busey's in it and he eats his own testicle. Oh, man. That's brutal. Yeah. Was it his choice? Yeah. He doesn't realize. He thinks it's not clear. Wow. It's, oh, yeah. I should say it's not attached to him. It was a cancerous testicle that he then eats. Uh, yeah. That doesn't make And then he wears a walnut encased in resin around his neck as a memento, thinking that it is his actual testicle. That makes sense. I haven't seen that movie in 20 years, but the things you remember when you're a pupescent boy. Testicle neck. <laughs> <laughs> That's just as good as mom butt. So one of her finishing moves. Only Patreon subscribers will know. Bwee, bwee, bwee. So her finishing move, she takes the cattle prod, shoves it down their throat, electrocutes them, and then they explode. And if you win with her, you don't kill yourself. You see her coming out of the bathroom with the cattle prod, gets the voicemail that her husband is officially cheating on her. She dresses up in her dominatrix gear. He opens the door to their bedroom and it's like, what? As she's standing there with the cattle prod, thus implying she's going to exact her revenge on him. Maybe that's why he cheated on her. She could have been dominatrix. Why did she do it for him? That is an interesting thing. What if it's that she was too much of a dominatrix and then he wants just like plain ass vanilla sex so he goes to her like you know she's a librarian and her sister's like a professional knitter and so he's like i need calm sex and they just like spoon and cry together and it's not even actual like intercoursal cheating oh, that sounds draining spooning and crying next we had violet who's the kind of you might remember she's the chick who looks kind of frankensteinian she's the only i don't know what she does yeah she was the contortionist uh basically she gets raped in a dressing room and then she just hates men and then she uh, murdered the man who attacked her and was convicted for manslaughter it's not a very happy thing in the she's the one that she's the sad one because She's 19 years old. Yes, she's a child, practically. 19 years old, and she goes to the traveling circus. Exactly. She, she, she kills him. How does she die? I forget how she dies. I don't honestly remember because, yeah, all, my notes just stuck. Honestly, because I didn't even see that part of it because I didn't play as her character. So my bad. But so on Earth, her hometown is Tomia, Austria, which is a reference to a character from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So that kind of is awkward when juxtaposed with the rape and murder. But in her ending, the guy who's cat calling her, she just jumps on his head and breaks his neck. She probably enjoyed it. Yeah, I would imagine so. Next, we had Cletus, who is like redneck Hannibal Lecter. He's a cannibal. He His funny thing is he dies of a tapeworm infection, basically starving to death when he's eating human flesh. So that's one of those kind of careful what you what wish you for. I didn't play the game. Do they have voices in the game at all? Yeah, because it's PlayStation, so I did some voice work. I want to know what was Cletus' voice. Just a redneck. Because his ending is a health inspector is at his backwoods butcher plant slaughterhouse. And you can see on his clipboard, the guy's failing all of the health inspections. And it's like, how dare you bitch, bitch, and kicks him into this like vat that just like stirs the guy to death. I mean, health inspectors probably deserve that, honestly. Yeah. And so his finishing is he decapitates his opponent, then he drinks from their seathered head, uh, and then he eats their arm, which is interesting. It's a weird appendage to focus on. But it's better than the dick. I don't think that the Jeffrey Dahmer reference would have flown at this time. Ah, oh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> or well, you certainly get your adults only when you start referencing Jeffrey Dahmer. I would play a video game with Zero Murders. I'd be into it. There's some similar stuff online, but yeah, I'd be into it. I think you could have some real fun with like a Ted Bundy. Yeah, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer. You could be Ed Gein and you can get multiple costumes. One where it's like, hi, I'm Ed Gein and I wear plaid. And the other one was like, look at my titty vest. <laughs> Did you expect I'd be talking to you about a titty vest on this episode? Expect you expected. I wonder what would be the unlock requirements for the titty vest. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You not have to get a perfect on the woman he murdered to make it. Right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to have to use the cheat code. <laughs> up, up, down, down. Anyway, next you have the Tormentor, who was Judge William J. Whitfield. A 50- I actually like the Tormentor, like his little story thing. It's like very Dexter. You go for it then. 
Oh, well, Tormentor, he was a judge, right? Yep. 51 year judge who, instead of convicting people in court, he would let murderers or criminals free and then go back and kidnap them and kill them, right? Yep. And so, basically torture them to death. Sounds pretty awesome. It's you're exactly right. It's exactly Dexter meets a little bit of Daredevil. So his ending, there's like a news report and they have, you know, somebody's escaped, blah, blah, blah. He's gone missing or whatever. And then he pulls open his drawer and there's like a leather hood and he puts it on and he opens a trick book in his bookcase and opens and you see the guy is chained to the wall and he pulls out his like chain flail and he's about to flog the dude and that's his ending. I'm okay with that. I yeah. support it. His uh, finishing move is he flips over his opponent, decapitating them with his chain, which let me just tell you, as an attorney, I'm so relieved that it's like a chain and not like the scales of justice or some bullshit, because that's all we ever see. I'm trying to visualize that. Maybe he flips them over. Like he, he flips them over with his chain? But well, he, he flips, flips over them. Oh, and then in okay. doing so, rips their head off. Gotcha. Then you had Dr. Faustus, who's a 37-year-old plastic surgeon, who he's basically your Dahmer in this, where he's like murdering animals. And then he starts to mess with his patients and gets convicted of malpractice. So he fuses a bear trap to his face and ultimately dies of the infection. His ending is he pulls off his surgical mask during surgery. The nurse is aghast when she sees this bloody, mangled like maw. And then he pulls out another like bear trap and it implies that he's putting it on the patient as blood splatters onto the heart rate monitor. You like bear traps, huh? Yeah, right. Like, okay, that's an odd one. Yeah, I feel like I it's just weird. Like what your face, I guess, I don't know. Maybe because we're all so accustomed to wearing masks now that like the visual of his mask is I don't know, it's just odd. I'm gonna give it a thumbs down. I don't like him. I haven't played him. I don't know what he looks like. His story's stupid. The bear bear trap is a bad trap to put on your face. I agree. I think it's pretty weak. So let's move on to Maruka Mahama. Come on, pretty mom. Okay. Anyway, she's the goddess of secrets. She's the goddess of secrets. How do you know she's the goddess of secrets? It's supposed to be a secret. Oh, shit. That's actually very clever. I like that. (laughs) So you can only get her after unlocking it through playing the boss. Yeah. You you go through the entire thrill kill. He's the one who brought them all there. Exactly. So you beat the game on hard. You get to her. Uh, you can only play with her in exhibition mode. You can't play with her in arcade mode. Oh. Yeah. And oh. so my limited information on her, because let me tell you, I did not play this game on hard mode because I barely got through it as on normal. It's tough. So let me talk a little about the gameplay itself. So it starts off and there's just four fucking people in a room fighting. Right. And each time a person, rather than their health going, you get like rage meter until it gets all the way up. And then that person gets to attack someone and you can do like one of four things. You can like decapitate them. You can kick them into a wall or what have you. And then that person is then eliminated. And then the remaining start the next match. And you do that until there's only the one person left each different. It builds up by like successfully blocking, attacking, you know, those kinds of things. So you kind of build up to the super room and kick somebody out. Exactly. So you're never actually losing. You're just not winning more so versus like Shaolin style. It's just health. So like when you're playing in a melee and there's three dudes and they're all like hitting, you're just like, oh, fuck, I better figure this out before I die again. Then we had the imp who was a 39 year old Billy B tattoo. And he was a government employee from Albany, New York. He grafted makeshift stilts to his legs so he could measure up to people at work. And basically, he died from complications from amputating his legs in his experiment with the stilts. So it's basically the same ending that Dr. Faustus had. So you're like, that's eh, kind of weak to unlock him. I thought he was like a magic leprechaun when I first was seeing that. And I was very disappointed that he was just a, a little sad believe. Yeah, I actually really like playing as him with the devil costume because it's kind of adorable. Does he have a tail? Not that I remember, no. Yeah, it reminds me of Locke from Nightmare on a a (laughs) Nightmare Before Christmas. (laughs) And the way that you unlocked him was by holding L1, L2, R1, R2, and pressing X when you selected your opponent. Uh, He, like you said, magically shrinks people down and steps on, on top of them. And then when you win, his is like the saddest ending because you he has a dream that he's the president and then he just wakes up sad and he's got his like shitty little stilts. That's the ending. That's very depressing. It is, right? I was like, Jesus Christ. It's like the sad cartoons. 
Then you had Mammoth, who was a postal worker and a huge man. And then he goes on a bloody rampage after getting fired. He commits suicide with a gun. And in hell, he gets transformed into a hulking ape-like creature. Uh, his name was Peppermint. Mammoth would be like Goro in one comment, right? Very similar. I think they have like the same fatality too. Doesn't he rip their arms off? Exactly. And then beats them to death with them. Yeah. And so his big finish at the end of the game, the Coupe de Resistance, is he like this lady's walking her dog and you see this postal van that's like ripped open and you see him covered in blood and he attacks her and then it just cuts to a bloody mailbox implying that he ripped her apart and shoved her in it. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, actually, it's super fun, especially when you juxtapose it with the sad ass little midget guy ending. You have Kane, not to be confused with Glenn Jacobs from the WWF, who actually debuted before this game would have come out. It was 1997. No big deal. Uh, he is an arsonist. He's an unlockable sub boss in his like video. He is like burns down a building and that's how he dies. But when you win, you just walk away from the building while on fire. And in order to get him, you beat the game on normal. Well, he has... Not just artist, but he supposedly has control of fire. Does he need something like that? Something weird? Pyrokinesis, but that's only like in the hell scape. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And so just for frame of reference, Kane, the pro wrestler, debuted October 5th, 1997 at Bad Blood in your house. No big deal. I never got to see Kane live. I saw Undertaker. I touched his shoulder. And it's the best moment in my childhood. Hey, there you go. Which Taker was it? Was it Phantom of the Opera Taker that nobody ever talks about? It was one that hats. Ooh, okay, I can dig that one where he comes back as a dead man after being big evil. Right. Then you had Judas, who was another unlockable sob boss who you had to beat the game hard to get. It's weird. He has no official story. You just find out that he was a pair of uh, conjoined twins. And his little ending video is a woman who gives birth to conjoined twins where like the legs of one twin is the torso and head of the other twin. Um, It reminds me of the cat dog. No, so it's like they're both conjoined at the belly and there's no legs. So it looks just like cat dog. Okay. Oh, wow. And finally, we get to my second favorite character, Oddball. He's the guy in the straitjacket. Raymond Raystack was a 31-year-old FBI serial killer profile in Belfast, Maine. And after tracking killers for years, he lost his mind and began to appreciate their, quote, artistic work. And he went on a stream of killings. They named him the Oddball Killer, blah blah One of his costumes, he just doesn't even have arms. He has bloody stumps. That's kind of my favorite. In his ending vignette, the guy who is watching him in prison, then switches places with him and he ends up in prison. If Oddball meant the judge in real life, which one I think the judge. Well, judge. now that I say it out loud, that's a tough one because it's the classic like unstoppable object, immovable force. That's no. a joke. I, I purposely got that wrong. Don't worry. But you know, you have the hulking tormentor who fights like Kane or the Undertaker, and then Oddball fights like Orange Cassidy without using any fucking hands. That's a modern pro wrestling joke that you wouldn't get, but Orange Cassidy is a guy who doesn't use his hands when he fights. Well, I can't notice any <laughs> yeah, I was like blank stare. Like, oh. Course correct. Course correct. Well, pretend I know him. Oh yeah, that's funny. It's- <laughs> and so that's basically all the characters in the game. It's an interesting story mode style. I like I said when Brian Gomez talks about how they were already planning the sequel. This is one of those games, kind of like the difference between Street Fighter and Street Fighter Two, where you're like, I could see this really having been something the second time around. Like I said, I, if this would have came out in that time with all the controversy with violent games, if someone would just had some balls, you know what, we're going to release this. I think it would have done very, very well, just because it would have been like the holy grail of games that you can't play. I think if you would have given it like two years or, you know, get like Amazon or some kind of online vendor. And I think that you could have done it a lot easier because I think that going to like Virgin Direct and trying to buy it from their website wouldn't have been appealing. But if you had you know, online shopping the way it is now, dude, it'd be inarguable. People would have to have it. Yeah, I'm so jealous that you played it already. Ain't no thing. It's easy. I can teach you how. In fact, hey, let me know. Let's do this. If you want, if you think that you're interested in playing this game, shoot me an email. If I get enough of them, I'll make a video tutorial on how to not only get the game itself, but the emulator and how to run it, even though I'll probably get flagged for piracy and lose my meager following as it stands. Do you want to know some trivia about the game's impact? Always. So in 2000, Brian Gomez was on a train in the Scottish Highlands 
and a backpacker asked him about his thrill kill hat. And he was like, oh, well, I was kind of part of making this game. And this guy freaks the fuck out and says that he, it's one of his all time favorite games and he couldn't believe it. And he was so excited. So this little game that didn't come out, you know, the rumor mill, the pirating, the copying the game, because you could do you could run this game with a boot disc if you did it right. That's like, could you imagine how you'd feel going from the lowest of lows? They didn't even release my game to somebody finding you on a backpacking excursion and knowing instantly what I mean, really, the logo is just the devil. What that specific devil meant. That's crazy. I can tell you right now, I get mad. I was like, I oh, fucking never released that damn game. <laughs> yeah, you'd and be then, upset that it didn't happen more often. And then he would probably be my first victim. And that's my start to do a kill. Oh, hell yeah. I like it. What would your name be? I have no idea. I think I think more about stories. What would my story be is more important than the name comes, right? Yeah. I think here's my here's what you would be. This is my my pitch for you because obviously you're Yeti, but I can't do that. It's too on the nose. So we call you Flex, but not F L E X because you're buff. F L E C K S because when you murder people, you get covered in flecks of blood and poop. How do I murder them? That's important. You grab them by the butthole and you rip them apart. You remember in <laughs> Avengers when Captain America rips the log apart? That's how you rip open their butthole. The old butthole rips. Yeah. <laughs> Easily terrible. Yeah. That's a vignette I really could live without seeing. But then, odd, oddly, I kind of need to see it, which is weird. What's my? I think it would be like the opposite. What's, what would be the opposite of Captain America? That would be your thing. Uh, it would be corporal communism. Corporal communism just fucks everything up. <laughs> you, like, you destroy countries, not just people. Yeah, it actually started off as a buff guy who gets injected and becomes like this emaciated little frail guy <laughs> who's like, me. And you kill people. Yeah. How do I kill people? How is how is a corporal communism kill people? Corporal communism would kill people by making them stand in line for bread, and they never get any. <laughs> They're all out of bread; they don't know it. <laughs> it, it. Yeah, it's the exact opposite of the butthole ripping because the butthole ripping you like immediately die, like you're dead before your butthole is completely torn a twain. But then when it's the blood, the bread line, it's just like four years later, and you're still sitting there like holding out hope. Never comes. I'm all about that butthole ripping. I don't need to stand in line and suffer for it. Yeah. I could do it. Kind of like tearing phone book. Exactly. Like, let's tear phone books for Jesus. Those guys. Yeah. Then I just hit myself in the head with your torso. Yeah. <laughs> and so years later, while uh, working on the incredible crash test dummies, Gomez actually ran into some fans of his work and they said, I remember asking him, how the hell do you know what that is? And he said, basically out of the back of somebody's van and he's just sitting there dumbfounded. Wow, that's pretty impressive that he happened to meet that one person. Because that's really unique. I bought it out of the swamp in the van. Now you're here with that hat. That's a cool story. Hell yeah. And you can actually get pirated copies of the game. They, you know, some of them go like for as high as like 200 bucks for like an original pressed. But then, you know, with the ROM being out for free, it's no real big deal. I wonder what the game magazine would have been about it. Like the little, what's the game magazine used to come out and get all the games? Game Informer. Yeah. It would have a small. Wow, what could have, things that could have been. Yeah, Game Informer actually did run a story on it. I think GamePro had some screenshots and stuff. So it, it was it was ready to go. That's one of the things that makes it so crazy that they didn't, you know, try anything because you know they had dialed it back enough to where it would have been M. But who knows? Well, I'm gonna have to come over there and play you. I'll be audible and you be the tormentor. All right. Seems like if you want your butthole torn in twain, I'll do it. I'm totally down for some uh, starvation. Oh, I fucked that up. <laughs> the emaciation game. The emaciation game. So I got to say, you know, in terms of, you know, rating on this show, we usually do classic, trashic, or tragic. This was the best one because I feel like tragic in this podcast would be a good thing. Yeah, sorry. So classic is good, good. Trashic is good, bad. And tragic is just plain bad, bad. And so in this one, I think at the time it comes out, I give it a classic. But given the fact I played it in my 30s, I would have to give it a trashic. It's good, bad. But if you really want a fun, weird experience, Wu Tang Shaolin style of fucking rules, and it's inarguably awesome. Like, you know, and it still has a certain degree of gore and awesomeness of like ripping people's heads off. I kicked a dude in the chest so hard, his, every single part of his body exploded and flew off. So it's still pretty brutal. That's a good ass game. 
Yep. And so uh, as far as closing this episode goes, I'd just like to remind everybody that we have the giveaway going on with Spice Ninja. All you have to do, go to Spice Ninja on Instagram, comment on one of their photos and tag us in that comment. So both Yeti and myself know that you've done the deed to enter the contest. We'll select it at random. That person gets a shirt and a hundred dollars worth of spices. So all you generic white people who don't know what flavor is can fuck right off, right? <laughs> He's, well, you can cook people with that shit. Ooh, cannibals. cannibals. I like that. Do you have any closing remarks for these goons as we wind down? No. <laughs> Perfect. Well, my name is Jake, reminding you to go out there and do something you love. And remember that all work and no power play makes Jack a dull boy. Yeti, I need you to do the mouth fart for me, bud. What? Oh. <laughs> You're just so flappy. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoy always talking to Yeti. He's been a dear friend of mine for a very long time. And I know you're probably being like, dear friend, I thought he was a Yeti friend. <laughs> and I hate you if you're the fan who made that joke and populated it in my brain as I recorded this in my garage weeks, months perhaps, after I recorded this episode. Any but fucking way. This week's hidden track is by Next Attempt. It's called 50 or 60 Hertz. And I really, really love when a band can describe themselves succinctly. I've always said, always said that a sign of a truly shitty band is when you're like, hey, what do you sound like? And someone's like, oh, well, we don't really fit into a genre. You're more like, you know, I guess you'd call this like grind wave synth polka. No, no, no. It, it's one thing. Are you alt rock? Are you metal? You know, we can get more specific from there, but if you can't reduce it to the simplest terms and sell me your elevator pitch, I, if it's more than like 10 syllables, I'm not fucking doing it. They describe themselves as early core pop punk, you forgot you crave. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I listened to this fucking song and I was like, tell me what you thought about what you were like starting line and fucking like all these bands from like middle school before I just became this degenerate straight edge guy who was like, fuck you. So I, I really fucking enjoyed this. It made me super happy. It also made me happy. A little glimmer of hope in these dire times that they're playing fucking shows. You know the last time I had to talk about a band's shows in the hidden track section of this show? On September 19th, they're playing Sourback Family Drive-In. Fucking dope. You mean to tell me I get to go to a drive-in, see some, probably not going to be like a skin flick or anything overly gory, but I mean, still cool, and then a band, and I can keep in my hermetically sealed bubble. And then on October 3rd at Peacock's in Erlanger, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, and I don't care. Enjoy 50 or 60 hertz from our friend's next attempt. me that I'm losing sleep from the side of you in my room. From your dress you choose to the picture frames of us on my wall. And what's killing me is the trip back to you because I still feel this thing called love. But between the hearts and scars that I call home. I understand we need to go our separate ways To heal our wounds and recuperate But it isn't pointless Sandworm!
guys. 